Podcasting world is is too vast and too curious, but that's why Dan and I are here for not playing. Hi, Dan. <laughs> wow, that was. I thought you were going to rhyme it. Hi, Lex. Uh, I was really waiting for the back half of that. Wait, what? What does vast and curious rhyme with? It rhymes with mast and worrious. <laughs> yes, and I think that if you were at the mast of a ship, you would be quite worrious <laughs> if you didn't know that we were about to watch. Uh, the Fast and Furious, specifically Fast Five. They got they got so excited about this movie they couldn't even finish the title. It's, like, it's just fast. It's just fast. It's number. It five. does have, I, as I've said before, I can you say this has my favorite naming scheme of every franchise ever because there is a point where they just, I think it was the last one where they just said, "Nah, screw it, let's do whatever we want." Like the last one was Fast and Furious. There was no number. They just dropped the definite articles, and they're like, That's "Do you fine. think that there was a meeting?" At the studio to call that one Fast and Furious. Do you think that ever came <laughs> up? Yes, one hundred percent. Yes, like to, I agree with you on the title because I it's it's how I want all movie sequel franchises to be titled. Like you want them to just get goofier and goofier with them. Well, it's like anytime you do the joke where you say like something you know to Electric Boogaloo because that was right. terrible, and so I feel like Tokyo Drift has entered that same level of mockery where it's like ah yes da 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 Tokyo Drift. <laughs> So is that is that the new Electric Boogaloo? Yeah, I think so. Well, it's the one after Electric Boogaloo. It's the third one. Okay. It's Tokyo Drift, yeah. clearly. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. we're back. We're back. We I, we were on a bit of a hiatus. There were uh, real life life found a way, as uh, Lex's doppelganger, celebrity doppelganger slash hero Jeff Goldblum <laughs> says. Uh, and yeah, we, we spent so much time, Dan, thinking about whether we should <laughs> know whether we could watch all these Fast and Furious movies. We didn't think about whether we should. We, well, we did think all. about it, and then we ignored it. <laughs> uh but we made it we made it to number five i'm so excited for this yeah one. i've heard good things and it this one's from 2011 dan you know what i've been waiting for this entire series <laughs> this entire franchise film series i've been waiting for one man i briefly thought it would be really mean if i said yeah i'm pretty sure the rock shows up in the next one <laughs> <laughs> what i what i was realizing this morning we're recording this one quite early on a, a sunday morning uh what i realized this morning was He's still in a Fast and Furious movie, right? Yes. He might be the Rock, who I find charming and funny and 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 talented, but it's still a Fast and Furious. So it could he? I I don't know if I've put too much pressure. I'm worried. I, I'm on on. Doing. I'm worried. Yeah, because like you could, this could still make or break the franchise for uh, for us, not for the <laughs> viewing public, which has clearly watched like five more movies. Yeah, the viewing public likes it. <laughs> it but his spinoff one that's out now, as we record, was 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 well received and popular. Hobbs and Shaw, I think it is. Was it? I don't know. I missed all that because I was away. <laughs> oh, you know, it, it did phenomenally well. They were like, well, clearly now there's another Fast and Furious spinoff with just these guys. I don't know. Huh, interesting. Well, those are those are both uh, charming gentlemen. I like Jason Statham as well. I, I've always enjoyed his work. At some point when that movie was coming out, Dan and I, I, I can't remember who linked whom, but there were articles <laughs> in, in papers of record, including the Wall Street Journal, that uh, actors, not just in the Fast and Furious movies, but especially in the Fast and Furious movies, that there are contractual rules on a per actor basis about how beat up they yes, can be yes. and if you get punched six times you get to punch six <laughs> times if somebody throws you through a wall you throw somebody else through a wall like none of them can be weaker than anybody else that was a fascinating article there were also a number because i'm still on a bunch of uh, P- <laughs> pr um lists 
I got all these lists of like infographics for like all these stats about the movies. Like, oh, the number of times that a car fishtails around a corner, the number of times that somebody throws someone through a wall, right? Like, and it was just like, wow, this is. It is a phenomenon. It's hard to dispute that, yes. despite the fact that we did not care for most of the first four movies, <laughs> that it is somehow a phenomenon. Uh, so, yeah, there you have it. If you got the infographic for the most recent one, do they call it Jason Stats Them? Um, well, it was, we had a good run, Lex. Uh, it was a good podcast, and I gotta go. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> it's been real. Five seasons in. Keep watching the stars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Lex, aside from The Rock, do you know anything about this movie? Literally, no. I know that it is the fifth movie in the Fast and Furious franchise. Boy, that was a fun thing to say. I recommend all of you at home pause and just say the fifth movie in the Fast and the Furious franchise because it's fun. But that's it. I got nothing. I know that it's going to have cars <laughs> and The Rock, and that's about it. Vin Diesel, I assume, also is in it. I think there is one um, stunt slash chase sequence that I've heard described, but I don't want to spoil it. So <laughs> Please. The only spoiler should be on the cars themselves, Dan. <laughs> that's our motto here at the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> <laughs> We now work for the movie officially. <laughs> it reminds me of when you and I worked at Macworld, and people assumed that meant we worked for Apple. Yes, that's true. That's true. Very accurate. Uh, we fixed a lot of computers. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, I'm excited to watch this. I just wish that our listeners could watch along with us. That's that's the bummer, that there's no way for them to do that. Well, 17 of them are in my house peering over my shoulder right now, which is a little oh. excessive. But for the rest of you out there, if you cannot find your way to my house by this recording, it's like a it's like when the um, bands come by the uh, NPR office to play in front of their like little desks there. <laughs> tiny desks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that. It's a tiny desk watching uh, podcast. I don't know. Anyways, if you're at home and you're stuck there and you're like, God, I wish I could hear Lex and Dan talk about Fast Five. The good news is you can. All you have to do is sign up to become a member of The Incomparable, which you can do at theincomparable.com slash members. By signing up, you get all sorts of fun benefits, including not only our commentary tracks for this movie, where you can listen along in real time as we watch, but also a bunch wow. of other content from other podcasts on the network. You get access to bootlegs, which are ones that haven't been edited. People like listening to that. It's raw. It's unfiltered. Like you get access to The Incomparable member Slack, where you can hang out with like-minded community members, as well as some of the people on the podcast themselves. And you can do that all for a low, low cost, starting at just $5 a month. Wow. Cheap at twice the price. Hey, that's a deal. You can scale that up if you want to support. You can choose which shows you want to support in the network. We hope you'll throw a little money towards not playing with Lex and Dan. Not the not playing with those other two guys. That one's a crock. Right. I'll be honest, Dan. Uh, you know, every... I don't know how frequent a month or a couple of months, you get a slack from Jason in the incomparable slack directly. And he's like, hey, you get this much money now. And I'm like, oh, cool. So that's why people should do it, because I like getting no slack. <laughs> yeah, we all like getting money. Well, Lex, now, for real, we have finished. <laughs> yeah. Should I start recording? Um, so, <laughs> it's a joke. Uh, Dan, what do you think? What do you think of uh, Fast Five? Uh, I would... Whew, we, we had a lot to unpack here, but I would say I think that it was... Whew, I think it was probably possibly my favorite of them so far. It definitely was more entertaining. Yes, I would say so, too. I think uh, uh, this is the one... It seems to me like they're never going to lean into the campiness factor, but they're recognizing that it, they cannot try to justify everything now. It feels like they're just embracing the fact that it's all ridiculous, even though they're taking their, it seriously. But they're, they're, it just felt like there was a little bit less trying to 
make things logical and reasonable. It was just all insanity, <laughs> which I appreciate. Right, right. And and there's more of a pivot point, too, where it's the whole, like, I mean, there's literally that scene that we commented on where it's like, we need to go steal some cars. And, like, we go to the car show, and then they just come back with the cars, right? Like, it's like, yes. we're not going to do the street racing thing. That's not what we're here for anymore. We only had, like, one real race scene, right? Like, we had the scene with the four guys. Yeah, like, I was amused in the cars. beginning uh, when they have that big train theft. You know, they get the cars, and then all the cars immediately drive out of view. You see, you see the cars right. driving for like five seconds at a time. And I, I wonder why that is. I don't know if it's expensive to shoot those, or they're like once you've seen one, you've seen them all. But you, uh, ask, you see a lot have. of car shit. We've seen a lot of races in the last four movies, and in this one, it felt like you know between the last one and this one, it's like all right, we're now movies about you know disreputable but like s- lovable scamp characters who drive cars but in order to do something else so are they lovable i don't know i see well, this is the thing you mentioned like you find it hard to root for these people and i agree with you i really love heist movies and con artist movies in which you are rooting for people who are fundamentally by design you know not the best people but usually you as they try to do in this movie you set it up by saying, like, well, they're they're getting somebody who's even worse, right? I mean, right. you look at something like Ocean's Eleven, right? And in that case, they're con artists, but they don't cause collateral damage, right? Right. When you're stealing money from a bad guy, or honestly, when you're stealing money from a casino, because I think we all think casinos are horrible, even though they're the legal ones are legal, whatever else, but like, it's not really their money. They didn't do anything to her. Right, right. And if you're, you you portray your bad guy, you have you, Andy Garcia yeah. in Ocean's Eleven, and it's like, he's not a good guy, right? Like, and our characters might be criminals, but like, there's a code Right. Yeah. Like that's part of what a lot of it and they a lot of it is about like let's get in and get out and steal the money without anybody noticing. And they kind of deliberately shake that off in this movie, right? Because originally their plan is let's sneak in and steal a bunch of money. But instead when that doesn't work, it's like let's cause as much damage as possible. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to root for that. But so here they try really hard, I think, in these in the scenes with the, the vault getting hauled around town. They tried really hard to show many people screaming. But no innocent bystander getting crushed by any of the immense amounts of demolished buildings, cars, etc. But clearly, there are people in those buildings. Like I think right. that's not what they want you to focus on. But our heroes have not just caused immense destruction of property that has, you know, innocent bystander property. But definitely, if we're going to give this any realism at all, there are dead people who don't have to be dead right now. Who didn't do anything wrong? Right, right, and and just the the amount of property damage, as I think we joked about. It's probably roughly commensurate with the amount of money they stole. Yeah. And and I guess the question is, usually in these kinds of cases, are the people that you are are, are carrying these out or, or, or causing this damage, is there a sort of a justification or a, a feeling like, well, you know, these people have, I'm rooting for them in some way, right? Like, I think about something like the Avengers, right? Where it's like, well, yes, there's a lot of damage caused, but they are fundamentally like protecting from you know alien invaders who would cause much more damage. Whereas in this case, these are the people perpetrating the damage, right? It's not like others are causing the damage and we're trying to stop it and, sudden, and so, so collateral damage is happening in that fight. It's we're literally stealing a giant thing that is causing all of the damage. <laughs> and then we right. are using that as a means to cause more damage. And I imagine if you're a fan of the franchise listening to us, you're like, well, don't worry about that stuff. It's just fun. It's just fun, heisty car stealing and money stealing. It's great. And I, I guess I get that. It's just, it's not, I definitely enjoyed this one the most. I'm not, I'm not ready to pull the plug on our watching this franchise. Okay. Um, but <laughs> it just, it just seems dumb. And I was, I was saying to you near the end during one of the 17 consecutive endings, this film had, 
they just they're making them all longer and i don't understand why it's they're not getting better for being longer they're better just because the like i think they're handling storytelling better whatever else but they it seems like they're padded by about 30 minutes <laughs> yeah well i and i don't want to take away necessarily from the the choreography and implementation of the action scenes because setting aside the collateral damage the scene with the vault is like it's impressive right like it's i think it's a fun action scene it's very different from anything i've seen before and it's clever and interesting in the way that it does certain things in the same way i liked the train car heist at the beginning of the movie it's shorter but it also has spectacle to it and that's what you want in this movie like when we watched the last movie there's that scene at the beginning with the oil tanker, right? Like yes. where they're robbing the truck. And it's like, again, I think that's kind of more what we wanted to see. So toning down some of the um, the car racing and also the, we still got a lot of angst over family, et cetera, in this movie. And that's kind of where they're trying to pull your emotional stuff from. I don't think they're as successful with that. And I think what makes this really difficult for me is like, I really enjoy movies, as I said, like like con artists and heist movies and stuff like that. But you watch something like Ocean's Eleven and there's a lot of charm to go around. And there's yes. not a lot of charm in this. There are some characters who I enjoy more than others. But a lot of it is, as we pointed out, the alpha male uh, macho, like, you know, throwing the rock and Vin Diesel at each other and seeing how hard they can punch each other. And there's really no <laughs> repercussion have, to right, it. Have no impact to either of their bodies or their relationship. <laughs> after they fight i do think the rock did what they brought him in to do in a large degree because i i think there is something more endearing about him than the way vin diesel does you know massive strong person mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. i feel like the rock just conveys more personality but you and i were talking about how the movie had done better for a while at uh, handling women yeah. <laughs> yeah. um and i was uh, in the in the race scene that you don't ever see the race from then it's like all women and and whether you prefer ogling or ogling, whichever word you go with or pronunciation you go with, a lot of that and whatever. That felt like a th- very much as intended a throwback to the yes. first couple movies, right? And like they kind of even hang a lantern on that, but at the I same agree. time, it doesn't it's, necessarily justify it. it. Yeah, but uh, the I can't decide. I'm I'm a little bit on the fence about the Gal Gadot scene, um, yeah. where Gadot. I don't know. In Hebrew, it's Gadot. I don't know, but the. You and I were mocking as we watched the movie that they're able to lift the palm print because he, um, you know, gropes her effectively <laughs> on her behind. She's like, don't send a man to do a woman's job. And then she's like, now I'm going to ditch my cover up and I'm just going to wear my bikini and I'm going to get lit in because I'm an attractive woman and he's going to put his hands on me because that's what men do. And what I can't decide is, is that a show of strength from her that she knows she can do it and that she's doing it for the purpose of stealing his money? Or is, is it still incredibly reductive? Exactly. Or is it still <laughs> yeah. incredibly reductive? But like, since it was her decision, is it better? But uh, I have very little belief that that scene was written by one. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, sure. yeah. I, I was, I was, I was like, am I supposed, is this, I, so I don't know. I don't know. It didn't feel empowered, but it felt like it was playing it. She's empowered because she's it, choosing to do it. It felt like a male writer trying to write a scene in which they believe a woman is empowered and yeah. kind of missing the mark slightly. Yeah. Um, but I, I liked that they at least introduced her as a character and it felt like she had, it felt like she was there and had some agency in a way that yes. a lot of female characters in this franchise have not at all. Like, and, and that's kind of what it is. It's like a super low bar, right? Like there was so, we, we talk, even Mendes shows up here at the, at the, in the, um, in the post-credit, post-credit scene. Uh, and I would, you know, comparing to her character at the end of the second movie where we mentioned like, she literally doesn't say anything for like the last 
10 minutes or whatever of the movie and it just felt very very weird and very dehumanizing um so by that comparison gal gadot's character seems like she actually has a character and is doing stuff but yeah i I agree that it's not it's a step in the right direction but it's still pretty far short of where it should be right like vin diesel meets that uh female officer (laughs) Yeah. He becomes his love interest, but she's Im- almost immediately his love interest. Like she's there. He helps her not get shot dead. And then their faces are like millimeters apart. And it's like, you guys have just met and it's extremely dire circumstances. And there's clearly some heat right now. And that's just, <laughs> but I, I, I'm, so I'm trying to think of why we're both saying that we like this one more. And I, to me, again, it's, it's something about the tone where it's like, it, it felt like they were just embracing. It. And I was thinking there is one other quote-unquote chase scene or or fast car scene and they literally said let's drive around in circles in a box yeah right, right. with cameras dancing which they never defeated like it was all useless it was like see what more fast car and here's one person driving here's a different person driving a different fast car and like i felt like they were like we know some of you want this so here you go this is the cheapest way we could do it and yet cars are not enough right like that's yeah. that's kind of the the end result of this movie even though they do solve their problem with cars it's like we can't just race fast like that's a, it's not enough to win this time you need the fury as well i think is what they're trying that's to right. bring that's right that's what it is that's why i really enjoyed samuel jackson's cameo as nick fury i think it really really brings us home that's a great reference um, for me thanks thanks a try uh you know i i think that a lot of it also leans into much harder into action movie territory where it's just like straight up like we don't have any illusions about this like we know we're action movies with cars now and i think that's part of again what makes it more successful having it the rock there as a and as i mentioned antagonist you know you disputed me calling him the the villain i think you're right he's more of just a a thorn in the side Right. right and like you have the the conversion at the end where he's like I'm still not like on board with you guys, but I'm going to help you because our our en- you know enemy of my enemy is my right. friend. He's not Paul Walkering it where he's going to the the, the bad side, but he's right. Like, I'll work right. with you, bad guys, and then but, uh, you've earned 24 hours. <laughs> right, right, yes. I, which is kind of what happened at the end of the first movie too, right? Yes. Like, <laughs> but I think he provides an interesting dynamic. I think he adds a little something in there in terms of just. It it kind of ratchets everything up a little bit where he's a good character that you kind of are rooting for, but he's also kind of a hard ass. So, you know, you don't have to like him, but he's he's, you know, a good quote unquote good guy. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of ingredients in here that that serve to make it work a lot better. Uh, I was just uh, skimming the the Wikipedia article here, too. And it says that people considered uh, the film too long. And there's a quote here, although I don't see who the quote is from yet. Women cameo strikingly in buttock form. Others actually have first names. <laughs> <laughs> Just from a Channel 4, uh, Catherine Bray, the reviewer who said that. Yep. No, that's accurate. Yes. I, and, but this one, I think I get it now. This one to me felt like it was a, an action comedy film in a way that the other sure. ones did not feel like they were embracing yeah, yeah, the fact yeah. that they were comedy films. Right, right. And some of that comes from, as we mentioned in the earlier movies, too, some of it comes from adding secondary care supporting characters who have a, com- a comedy relief element, right? Like, so you get Ludacris, you get Tyrese, um, you yeah. get um, uh, Sung Kang, who's the guy who plays Han. Like, all of them are, you know, they're a little bit snappier as characters, right? Because so much of O'Connor and Toretto is, like, very dry and very, like, straightforward, right? They are... They don't they don't have a lot of wordplay or like, you know, good dialogue really, right? They're very earnest. 
And I think having all the side characters who are joking around a little bit more provides a lot more comic relief for that earnestness to do its job. It's fine. Like it does what it needs to do. But when it's when that's all the only like setting you have, it's too much. It's too straight. And so adding the supporting characters to bring some comedic elements, I think, makes a big difference. Uh, I'm also looking at how they did some of the vault scenes. Some of it was practical effects. Some of it wasn't. They made a reinforced four-wheel self-drive version of the vault. Oh, nice. At one point, they could drive itself, uh, which could get to more than 100 degrees. So the person who was in that had to wear a temperature-controlled oh, suit. Um, and more than 200 vehicles were destroyed by the vault during filming. <laughs> wow. And they had to abandon a few of the effects because they just could not do them. Also, as is, I see, as is pointing out that the also a little unfortunate is that filmed in Puerto Rico, um, <laughs> which is a little awkward. Yeah, the uh, I mean, again, I, I think the virtue of these movies continually being successful is they get more like bigger and bigger budgets, right? Which yes. means they can do crazier and crazier things. And that's fine. Like, that's kind of what and you want. I think they also feel a pressure that they have to do crazier and crazier things, which is the hard part. Sure, right. You've always got to top yourself because yeah. it's just like, you know, that's what people come to see. How are you going to do it this time? Like, what are you going to, what what spectacle are you going to put on display here? So we were talking about titles before we started. The Fast and the Furious to start. Too Fast, Too Furious, which I love. The Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift, great. Fast and Furious, fine. Fast Five, Fast and Furious 6. I feel like they could do that. Um, I know that Furious seven that but then they go to the fate of the furious which i think is fantastic they are literally just putting a pun in the name which i'm 100 percent on board with and then uh the ne- i'm according to wikipedia the one coming out in may of 2020 is fast and furious nine that's they, they gave up on that one yeah no that's a little bit it's a little bit disappointing although i guess i would hold out since it's not come out for another year they could they could change the title if they felt fast like and furious guess. colon to the nines <laughs> Seven eight nine. <laughs> Maybe it takes place in Germany. It's Fast and Furious nine at nine. Yeah. No. Well. So let's see. So this one, the so Justin Lin has a long uh, streak here for directing. He did started yes. with Tokyo Drift, did the fourth, fifth, and he did the next one, Fast and Furious um, six, and then he gets replaced in both the seventh and eighth, and it looks like he is back for the ninth and tenth. Yeah. So there's a lot going on there. A lot going on behind the scenes. Uh, which is, uh, I guess, interesting. Also, the same writer for starting in Tokyo Drift and all the way through The Fate of the Furious, Chris Morgan. So, yeah, it feels like these movies at this point establish a little bit more of a um, consistent tone at this point with the same director and writer for a lot of them, which probably helps. And it is interesting looking ahead on the Wikipedia list that they say that one of the future films is untitled female-centered film. Because I was noticing, oh my gosh, there is a Fast and Furious movie written by exclusively women. But it is untitled female-centered film with no release date and no direction. In, in development, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, I guess I don't know which characters that's about. Is it new characters? Is it like existing characters? I also, guess. That post credit scene showed, showed Michelle Rodriguez is alive. Because we just yes. continuity doesn't matter at all. Okay, just well, she's. I mean, I think the whole point is she's not as dead as we thought she was. <laughs> Aha! Well, this is that kind of franchise, right? Oh, it it's is, the franchise. It's like you know what it is. It's like it is almost its own comic book franchise, right? It's like characters who you think are dead. Now they're not really dead. Uh, we can defy physics. We cause a lot of destruction. Um, and we kind of have checkered characters sometimes. Like I feel like it does have a very comic book franchise feel to it. There's definitely checkered flags, but yes, I agree with you. That was a car racing joke, Dan. Yeah, I got it. Oh, I got it. Just check. Just put on the brakes, Lex. It's too much. 
I thought this was a total gas. <laughs> I, I, this, this wasn't bad. I'll watch another one. So I will say the next one is the one that I have seen. And ah. I remember very little about it. <laughs> okay. So you've seen Fast and Furious I, I remember 6. a few things here and there. I have seen Fast and Furious 6. That was the one I saw without having seen any of the previous ones. And you're like, wait, establish these characters for me. So they like cars? <laughs> yeah. I, there was a lot of leaning over to like Tony and being like, all right, is this reveal significant for some reason? <laughs> like, What's the deal happening here? And Tony's like, oh, these guys, they like cars. They go yeah, fast. They, they, and they are angry. Mm. Angry son of a gun. Well, Dan, if there's anybody I was going to watch uh, the fifth film in the Fast and Furious uh, sequence, it would be you. So thank you. Well, it was me. So there's oh, that. Well, there you go. Uh, well, we've got uh, six, seven, eight, and nine left, and then we'll have to make a decision on Hobbs and Shaw. Well, <laughs> so, maybe it'll be out by the time we get there. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it will. <laughs> all right, Lex. Well, it has been a pleasure as always. Thank you all out there for listening along with us. We hope you enjoyed watching along as much as we did, or perhaps even more. Uh, and until next time, keep, keep watching, watching the, the cars. cars. <laughs>